gotten me up a portfolio now of 22 apartments. That cash flow right around seven grand a month. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, excited to have Matt Amabile. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing great, Todd. Doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Excited to have you on. We we have to talk a little bit about your travels because you just traveled all over the place and you're going to be traveling again soon. And so that's really cool. I love, love hearing that. But why don't you tell our listeners a bit about kind of your background and uh, and, and why you're able to travel? Uh, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, travel, definitely a, a big passion for me and a big drive behind what I did, why I did what I did. Um in my life. So I guess a, a lot of it starts with my decision of going to college where I was going to go to college is a big part of my financial journey here. Um, I was going to go to West Virginia University, I was going to pay $40,000, $50,000 a year to go there. And I was going to go party it up with my friends uh, and have a, a good old grand time. Um, but at that same time, when I was choosing between colleges, I got a full scholarship offer but uh, from the state because of academics to go to a uh, community college. And it was a really hard decision because I really did want to go party and do all that stuff. But I made the decision to go to community college. Hmm. From community college, I did well, got scholarships, got another full scholarship to go on to uh, uh, get my bachelor's degree at Rutgers University. Um, and then from there, right after college, I actually did some travel because I kept on hearing out there, you need to go travel and do these things while you can, while you have a little bit of freedom, which for me was right outside of school. So I went to Europe, went out there for a month, a month and a, a week or so with my girlfriend at the time. And after that trip, I had an amazing time. I spent right around $5,000 on that trip. And that meant to me that if I could create $5,000 or if I could save up $60,000, that to me meant like a year of travel because 5,000 times 12, 12 months, $60,000. So that's kind of where my head was at. And at that point, um, I had a job in New York City area. I was sleeping on my cousin's couch to save money. Um, my girlfriend breaks up with me and my life kind of turns upside down. So I, uh, you know, I wanted to get off that couch. I didn't think I could get another girlfriend while sleeping on my cousin's couch. So, uh, so You're probably I, right, by the way, right. right. <laughs> so, so I started to, to look into personal finance, uh, read a book called rich dad, poor dad found out about cash flow and real estate. And I saw a path to get to this $5,000 a month that would allow me the freedom to go travel. From there, I started buying real estate, house hacks, more real estate, partnering to buy real estate. And, uh, you know, the rest is the rest is history. It's gotten me up a portfolio now of 22 apartments um, that cash flow right around seven grand a month. And that keeps me you know, uh, alive and well, quit my job, did some travel. And that's where I'm at. Now I'm on this podcast talking to you. 
when did you when did you quit your job quit my job in october of last year okay and what what were you doing uh logistics sales logistics technology sales and that's actually an interesting story too on the the money journey side of things i started i studied supply chain management in college came out of college making fifty-five thousand. i wanted to increase my income so i worked in sales six months later hop jobs increased my income to seventy-five thousand. still wanted to make more income so I performed at my sales job, performance-based jobs. You need to perform. And then I hopped jobs again. And another eight months after that, increased my income to 110K. And then eventually that company, six months later, increased my income to 150K. Um, so I was able to basically triple my income within uh, a year and a half of graduating college by jumping jobs and and being a being niche in this logistics technology sales um uh, aspect hmm. which is a lesson in business right be you got to be niche uh if you're doing everything you're probably not going to mm. be successful so you're making good money obviously <clears throat> what you know taking taking um man making good money you got you got these rentals you're building that up and then you're like hey i'm just gonna be done i'm gonna quit right you're young <laughs> yeah yeah and it was and it was it was ahead. a hard decision it was a hard decision because at that point i had become so efficient with my job and i'd become so well so good at performing that my original job i was making fifty five thousand, and i was working 50 hours a week and at my final job that I quit, I was working two to three hours a week, but I was making $150,000 in the year. But what it was is I had this underlying anxiety because I was I was starting to give less of a, a damn about the job. And I just started working on the real estate and buying the portfolio and partnering with people to get those deals done. And, uh, you know, that's where my time was going. And so I started to get this little bit of anxiety working two to three hours a week that somebody's going to find out that I'm not working at all. And they're paying me nine thousand, ten thousand dollars a month to not do anything. And uh, that anxiety was enough to push me kind of push me out the door. And and then I just left and went on some travels. Would you have been able to travel had you kept that job? So actually I did travel. Um, I, <laughs> I took, I took a month out in Oregon with that job and people from my office, some of them knew they were, they were my friends and like, I wasn't doing anything. I was working quote unquote, like air quotes working while I was out in Oregon, um, for a month. And then one of my friends actually got assigned as my boss, one of my close coworkers. And I had to be honest with him. I like right when I got back from Oregon, because I was leaving for Puerto Rico the next month, I was going to go there for another month and keep working my job. I was working it. And um, I had to be honest with him. And just because that's what I, I felt. I was like, hey, man, this is what I'm doing. Uh, this is what is going on in my life right now i can still perform and do these things but i just had to say to him i'm not giving you 40 hours a week i can't even give you close to 40 hours a week so whatever you think is the best scenario here is what we can do 
And he just said, I think it's probably best that you just leave because I can't, as a new boss, I can't have somebody that I know is working two to four hours a week, you know? Yeah, can't keep doing that. Um, so you started buying the apartments. Now, now you um, are able, you were able to quit and able to travel. How, how long, let's, let's talk about the travel a little bit. So what, what's the goal here? So, you, you know, you're, um, you got 22 apartments. Is it to continue to grow that portfolio? Is it continue to grow the business? Or is it just to say, hey, I got these 22 apartments. We're going to focus on that. We're going to travel as much as we can. Like what's kind of the vision here that you've got over the next you know, year, two years, three years, whatever it is? Yeah. So I think the, uh, and I don't think, I, I hate it when I say I think. Like I know the original goal was to travel. So that's why I, once I got it done, I wanted to get the 5,000 pass if I wanted to travel. So I had to be true to what I said to myself. And once I got there, I was like, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go do this travel. Um, I'm going to go make this like happen for myself. And now, so I see it almost as different layers, Todd, because I am a low responsibility person right now 25 years old all I, well, 26 i just turned 26 i have a i have a dog and that's it no girlfriend no nothing holding me back no debt besides the the good debt on my houses um and the properties so i am at a baseline financial freedom of a place where i can live and do things that i want to do and and have fun and travel and do all these things but now I see it as, all right, I've got this freedom. I've granted myself freedom. Let's take advantage of the freedom right now while I can live pretty low responsibility-wise. And then I'm going to have to take this financial freedom foundation and build it up from there. So yes, continue to buy assets, continue to invest, continue to create more cash flow and wealth within my life. Because within the next five years, I'm likely going to start to find a girl that I want to settle down. Uh, and that's likely who knows what happens. Right. But like likely going to find a girl I want to settle down with. And then kids are going to come a little bit down the line from there. So it's like I want to right now take advantage of this freedom that I now have um, and then base use that financial freedom base the new time that I have to be able to build more cash flow and wealth so I can support my future endeavors with uh, whether it be business endeavors, family endeavors um, and and supporting myself and my family. Did you worry when you quit your job that by quitting your job you would no longer be able to buy real estate because you don't have that? you know, that income coming in, you don't have the credit worthiness now that you own. Did you worry about that? And if you did, was that a false narrative or? So I was actually very confident that I would be able to buy real estate because from a early, early on in my investing, I bought my four unit and I put my name down on the property and I got the loan all in my name, did all that good stuff. And then from there, I had this mindset that I think Brandon Turner, I know, I see, I say, I think Brandon Turner taught me this <laughs> lesson. He says, he says that you can partner 
to buy real estate. You can use other people's loan worthiness to buy real estate. You can, uh, there's four things that you need in real estate from my perspective, time, capital, knowledge, and a deal. So if I can bring time, knowledge, and a deal to the table, somebody else would be able to bring one, the capital, and capital also meaning their loan worthiness, their bank accounts, their bank worthiness, their W-2 job or their investment experience. So no, I didn't worry about that. And it's it, it proved it proved true to me because at that time when I quit, I had already bought a six unit building that I wouldn't qualify for at all to buy by myself. But I brought in partners who were that capital. They brought all the money to the table. They brought their their. Uh, mortgage brokerage to the table. They brought their credit worthiness. Um, I was able to secure 50% ownership in that building, a million dollar building, 50% ownership, no money out of my pocket. And, um, and that's even further. So I didn't need to put my name on a loan and I didn't need my own capital. So even though now, like you may say like, oh, you're only making five grand, six grand a month, you're probably spending all of that. So I have a little bank account of around 80 grand. It was at a hundred grand. I have it at around 80 grand right now that I keep there for some safety reserves for myself, but it doesn't deplete too much by buying assets because I'm using other people's money as well to buy those assets. So using other people's credit worthiness and their uh, capital has given me the confidence to continue to buy. Yeah, I, I'm glad you said that. And, and I think it's important for people to understand that because there is that big fear a lot of times where people say, well, if I quit my job, I can't, I can't qualify right. for a loan. I can't, I don't have any of that income coming in. There's truth to that. That is a hundred percent true, but mm -hmm. it's also just your narrative or your, your narrow way of thinking that you need your own credit and you need your own money. Right. You can do exactly what Matt just did and I've done and utilize other people's money and other people's credit. And you're not taking advantage of them because you're giving them 50% of that deal. And now right. your, your job, Matt, is to find the deals and to execute on those deals. And right. that their job is the money part, the credit part. Right. right. And and so now win-win, they don't have the time, the knowledge, but you do, but they right. have the money and the credit. Right. You don't. Perfect. Right. Now we got a match made in heaven, right? Dude, uh, that, perfect. Perfect. And I don't think to answer your question a little bit further, I don't think I could go. I don't think I could go and get a loan. I, I think that I am so non-fundable right now that if I, if I tried and went and got a loan, like I could show them my portfolio and what I own and what I cash flow, but like my cash flow is like, it's paying for my expenses. So it's not like there's much else there. If, if a big, huge problem comes up with a different, you know, with a new loan, at least that I put in my name that I have to stabilize. Yeah. Um, By the way, I think you're wrong on that. And here's why you're right that you won't be able to get a loan personally. You wouldn't be mm -hmm. able to go buy your own single family house to live in, or that might be very tough, right? You mm -hmm. wouldn't be able to buy a rental property, a single family duplex, triplex, quad in your own personal name. That would be likely a no, mm -hmm. but where you probably would qualify because you have the experience, because you have 22 uh, apartment units, is you would be able to go to a, a bank, a local bank, 
maybe maybe even a regional bank and say, hey, look, this is my portfolio. Here's I got this four unit building that I want to purchase. Can you give me a loan? Right. And they've got a commercial loan product that's not based on mm. your W-2 that they could. DSCR. Yeah, they could likely get you qualified right. for just based on your experience. Now, you wouldn't have been able to qualify that maybe even with your W-2 job. Right and now that you have got these apartments, you've got some experience. Now all of a sudden you can qualify. So it's there's different mm. loan products out there. Not saying that's the way you need to go. There's different right. loan products out there for the listeners. There's a lot of stuff out there. You got to start asking questions. And I think a lot of people wouldn't have thought the way you're th you're thinking and you're doing. They have that limited belief that says, "Man, uh, I don't have the money. I don't have the credit. I don't have whatever it is, and I can't I can't qualify." Right. It's like, no, you can. You don't need that much money to buy a piece of real estate. You just need connections. How do you right. find these partners, Matt? What are you what are you mm. doing to find these partners to get those connections? Because that's obviously super valuable too. Right, right. And first, before I go into that, I do want to say 100%. And I want to thank you for calling out that limiting belief that I had within myself, because when I haven't even tried, why am I going to count myself out for being able to go get a loan if I haven't even had the conversations that allowed me to do that? So that is a limiting belief that I held and uh, that I, I haven't even done. So I shouldn't even say that. I, when I was in this business early stages, uh, I ran out of personal credit. I had four mortgages in my personal name and I could no longer get any more. I was a high school teacher I was making 30 grand a year. My wife was making mm. 35 grand a year. We just didn't have any more credit available. And so what I did is brought on a, a partner like what you did. We JV'd on a couple deals, but then I ended up calling about a hundred local banks, local and regional banks. And even national banks got rejected by the national banks, got rejected by the regional banks. But the local banks, many of them told me to go get lost and I was crazy and I was stupid. Right. But a handful of them said, yeah, we'll lend to you. And that's how I was able to expand my portfolio. So just mm. eyes wide open, again, to the listeners, there's, there's opportunities out there. You just don't know until you ask, until you figure it out. Right. There, there's right. so many and different ways to do this. Right. Until someone tells you, tells you no, uh, until everyone, even no, if everyone. someone tells you no, until everyone tells you no, it's nothing is counted out. So exactly. you're 100% right. But so let's on go the, uh, the question of finding partners. Yeah. yeah, let's let's talk about that. Yeah. So this is actually something that, you know, I'm I'm pretty passionate about and a system that I've built for myself. And what I search for, Todd, are something that I call golden key investors. The A key can open a door, a golden key can hopefully open every single door. So what I look for are investors that can bring multiple things of that time, capital, knowledge, and a deal to the table. So they can bring a lot of the partners I deal with, they own a mo mortgage brokerage or they own a property management company. So some ways that I have found to bring in partners have been to do a Facebook post. If I found a deal or if I have a sample deal of something that I have done in the past, I will 
write up the numbers. I won't put the address. I'll write up the numbers on it. Here's the purchase price. Here's the renovation. Here's information about the town. Here's what the ARV looks like based on whatever cap rate the area is running at. And I, I display my knowledge in this post. And then I'll tell people, reach out to me. So then I'll get a bunch of people who reach out to me, send me a message, and then I'll set up calls with these people and I'll have conversations with these people and I will underwrite them. I have my own underwriting process. I have questions that I'll ask to make sure that they are someone who brings value to the, who brings capital and also brings value to the table. Um, and, you know, through having those conversations and vetting people out, I've gotten better and better at realizing which people I would want to work with as a capital partner. And one of the, the most important things that I want to stress here, I don't want to tell everybody, go out there, go on Facebook, put posts up, and then just start working with someone. A dating period, and I'm sure we'll dig into this a little more, but like a dating period with a partner is so crucial because it's a long term, as long as you are both on the same type of wavelength as to your investing strategy if it's a buy and hold that's a long-term relationship you're not going to get into a long-term relationship in a marriage without dating someone so we date that person we find out more about them and uh you know where i like to target like i said is property property managers people who have experience in that and lenders, mortgage brokers, if you think about it, a lot of these guys started these small brokerages and the property management companies, most of them started doing that because they are trying to subsidize their acquisition of right. their own real estate on the financing side or the management side. So these people are buying real estate. They bring value to the table. And uh, that's that's where I've seen it makes a lot of sense for me to to target because it takes stuff off my plate and it allows me to get a deal done with someone who has experience. Yeah, love that. I'm glad you mentioned the dating period. I think that's so important when you're picking a partner to have that kind of dating period and, and also a cooling off period, right? Because if you post something on Facebook or they hear about you even from a friend or whatever, and you guys have this conversation and they see these numbers and they're excited and you guys just go and do deal together immediately. There's a lot of risk there. Not only is there a lot of risk on, you know, the, the just that relationship not working, but there's, there's this risk of that. They saw these numbers and got intrigued by the numbers. Is that the only thing that attracted them? And when right. those numbers don't work out perfectly, what's going to be, you know, what's going to happen? Are they going to be starting to sue you or like, like there was just this mm -hmm. expectation built on this excitement. And I think, right. um, you know, if anybody's liking what you're doing, which I love what you're doing, by the way, uh, um, the dating period is so important because I think if things do go south, attorneys, uh, the SEC, uh, yeah. you know, anybody involved is not going to like it if the business, if the deal was done quickly with a knee-jerk reaction and you as the person that right. pursued that relationship are going to be at fault of manipulating the other person. Um, right. And so, but if there's that dating period in there, like you mentioned, um, that, then we're all knowledgeable, right? Yeah. And, you know, that is also the importance of bringing someone in who 
knows the risks of real estate yes. and understands real estate, they understand that, you know, markets change, cap rates change, yep. values can go down. That's There's also importance in when you put your numbers out, you need to be confident in the things that you are presenting to the public. And you also need to be, you also need to be relatively conservative when you're throwing these things out there. I like yep. to under promise and over deliver on what can be brought to the table. So 100%, 100%, I think, uh, you know, be conservative, stay safe and, uh, and, and bring in people who understand the game of real estate and how cycles work. Yeah. That's that last part is actually really valuable. Uh, if you have somebody that's a business owner, uh, that's a real estate investor that just understands the industry they're going to be maybe not super excited when things don't go the exact right, right. way, but they're going to be understanding because they've likely dealt with it themselves. Right. And they go, okay, this sucks. Bummer. <laughs> but they're not like, Oh, I got to sue this guy because it, I'm not getting exactly what he told me. You know, right. Somebody who's used to a W two job and that's all they know. They're used to that paycheck coming in every single month might not have that same kind of risk appetite. Uh, right as somebody else so yeah that's, that's right really yeah so knowledge. and when it is those people uh, when it, who may have the w2 and they don't have the investment experience it's not like i say i'm not going to work sure. with that person it's just in a different capacity for me that's where the decision comes in between using equity or using debt and these people where you can write up a promissory note and and just get debt at a certain percentage and it's cut and dry and that is like a loan that is up to you to pay that back that's a, that's kind of the capacity at, at which I'll work with people more in the in the w2 space um, to get to get those jobs done yeah and maybe that dating period is a little bit longer for someone like that too right right um, that makes sense so Matt What's a mistake that you've made along the way and uh, how can our listeners learn from it? One of the biggest mistakes that I made and like the mistakes are, are great to make because they're big learning lessons that, you know, bring everything to you, but it's trusting and not uh, like just thinking that if I let somebody else, somebody tells me they're going to do a job for me, they're going to get it fully done, not following up with them, not underwriting them, not watching the process. My first four unit was, uh, was a disaster. It took a year and a half. It, it was a condemned property, full gut renovation. Uh, did it through a 203k loan, which is a renovation loan through basically FHA three and a half percent down. And it took a year and a half to get this thing done as my first renovation project. And it's because it's not fully because like COVID hit, all these different issues popped up. People broke in, contractors got in fights, one contractor got deported. <laughs> but uh, the bank got involved, the town got involved. I had to rip a set of stairs down like eight times. Um, but it was not following up, not watching over the people that told me that they were going to get the work done, my contractors, um, and, and keeping a heavy eye on it. So I think it's realizing that your project is your project and you are going, you're going to be the one that cares the most out of that project. Just because somebody says that they're going to get something done with you 
you need to verify that. You need to verify that things are getting done to keep things moving on schedule and, uh, you know, build your plan and follow your plan and make sure that, that the people are executing. Yeah. That's so important. We can all build a plan, but can you follow a plan and then making sure people are executing? I've made that mistake numerous times uh, because, you know, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I'm a very trustworthy person. If somebody tells me they're going to do something, they're going to do it, right? Because that's what I do. That's what I would do, right? Exactly. If I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do the best job I can, whether you ask me to or not. It's just right. how I work. And so I, I I, just assume other people are like that, and it's not the case. So with what I'm hearing from you, the big thing is, look, where, what are your KPIs? And then how do you track that? And how do you hold these people accountable? Like you've got to have those things in place. Otherwise, right. you know, you're, you're letting the inmates run the asylum. Right. Right. I I think like you, you really map out your goals there. Like what is your goal, whether it's a renovation project and this, this was learned through contractors and problems that were there, but I think this applies to everyone and everything. If it's, you know, getting money funded for a project, you know, if you need $200,000 within the next three months and you realistically want to get it done in two months, then you know, let's, let's track that conversations within the first two weeks. How many do we want to have um, the next two weeks? How much money do we want funded by then? Like to keep yourself honest, keep yourself tracking what is going on towards that end goal, work your way backwards to finish that goal and then track, track, track and uh, verify. Yeah. I love that. Love that. You've got to keep tracking. If you're not tracking, you're, uh, you're just, hoping hoping and, and hope is just it's not that's not a recipe for success it's just not right hope right is, hope is nice but yeah yeah <laughs> it doesn't pay the bills that's um right. matt so how let's let's talk this this um I, I love the you know i think we tried to talk what a month or two ago and yeah. you were in spain portugal some, somewhere on there at the yeah time. spain yep and uh and you just didn't have good service and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> um last trip. How how long were you gone for? How long did you travel? So that was it's almost like one amalgamation of of one large trip. It was around four months. I went straight from um Oregon to uh, to Puerto Rico after that. So Oregon for a month, Puerto Rico for a month, then Paris for around a month then Barcelona for two weeks. So around, around four months is my travel time there. Anything that you learned or you took from the travel experience? Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is actually a lesson in itself. I do every travel experience, especially because I'm, I am traveling solo. It's me and my dog. It's not, it is to go explore, to see the world, to open up my mind to new creative visions, to new ways of living, um, and experience a new culture and a new world that I didn't know existed before, which has a whole slew of benefits, creates new neural pathways, all this stuff. One main thing that I learned would be that you follow you everywhere you go. So the person 
if you think you're going to go to another country, another place, and you're just going to automatically become happy if you're sad right now, or you, you know, you're going to lose the depression or, um, you know, lose the anxiety or the fear or whatever it is, you follow you everywhere you go. And you've got to be present and grounded in yourself at all times. So it's, it's like, if you just jump to a new place, the person who gets on that plane internally is going to be the same person that gets off that plane when you land. So a lot of this travel being alone in a new place opens me up to, well, here's this whole new world around me, all this brand new stuff, a new apartment I'm living in, like living in Paris, walking around every single day. But on the inside, it's still me. I'm still here. So how can I be okay with this person that is walking around Paris? How can I make sure that this person is still growing, still happy, um, and, and still being true to, to my full self? So it would be, yeah, you're, you are following you everywhere you go. I, I love that. And it, yeah, definitely can see the, the truth to that. Very self-aware, um, mm. you know, <laughs> just that, that you have thought about that. And I'm sure you're always constantly growing. What are you doing right now to like, what, what's a, what's a book that you're really into maybe now or, or recently read that you can pass to our listeners? Yeah. So right now I'm reading this book right here called building a story brand. It's by Donald Miller. Yeah. Um, that is, uh, this is a, a lot about being able to tell your story uh, get yourself out there, communicate yourself to other people as effectively as possible. And then the new book, which I, which I had asked you about that, uh, I'm going to start reading cause I'll finish this book probably today. I'll start reading the other book tomorrow or, uh, Sunday. That's the almanac of Naval Ravikant that I'm going to start up. And, and that one's about building happiness relationships in, uh, and, and your business. Um, you know, I, I kind of saw a sign from God or wherever it was. I I heard about this book on a podcast, had never heard of it before. The same day I go to my friend's house, it's sitting on the table. The <laughs> same day, two other people mentioned to me, have you read this book by Naval wow. Rav? It's it's an amazing, amazing book. Like it changed my life. So I was that day. I was just like, okay order on Amazon. Okay. Obviously I need to read it. <laughs> say, say the name again. Cause I've not read that book. It's called the almanac of Naval Ravikant, the almanac of Naval. I just want to see who it's by. Cause it's actually not by this person. It's by somebody named Eric Jorgensen. And uh, for anyone who doesn't want to spend money on it. So Naval Ravikant is one of the like, biggest Silicon Valley investors. Um, and he's just done it in like such a spiritual, ethical, moral way that, um, he wants to provide so much value to other people. You can get this book for free online. His, that was his, uh, his like basically precursor to be able to have somebody write this book. He wanted it to be free online, so you wow. can find the uh, you can find the PDF online pretty easily if you want to. That's really cool, and I, I love the building a story brand. It's a great book, especially for what you're doing for what I'm doing. Um, you know, it teaches you how to how to really present and talk to people and to talk, telling stories. 
is so much right. more compelling and you, it's easier to gain somebody's attention telling a story than to just tell them the facts and yeah. you know just like you think about it yeah again it's attractive to say hey you can make a 25 percent return on your investment oh that's that's very attractive but how do i trust you how do i like it you know but if we tell yeah. the story you know so it's, it's about hey I, I need you to feel like you've been here right at, at this building we're showing you pictures we're telling you a story and all that kind of stuff so i love that book of really getting into uh, how storytelling is so much more um i guess just you know, powerful gra powerful grabs people's attention um you know yeah and 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 it can be used in everything so that you're times. doing in life it's not just like creative people writing books and doing that type of stuff no like even in my i do a, a mentorship for finding partners and bringing in partners and one of my main lessons in there is building your story like how do we build your story up so when you are talking to people you can communicate them your value through the experiences that you've had the knowledge that you've yeah. gained what you have been able to do for yourself and where you're at right now so then you can you can tell your story through this storytelling method and then like you can also make the new building into a story you know what is what is the enemy here? The enemy is the uh, non-stabilized building. And then, you know, how, who is the guide through this? The guide is, is me because I've done this with this property and this property. And then, you know, what is the plan? The plan is to go in and do this, this, you know, re-renovate the units, get them rented out, make a beautiful place. And then ultimately, you know, we have this awesome building that is stabilized and worth x amount of dollars and you know it is a story it's all a story yeah. that that you create and then you go and execute on it yeah love it but it's so much you you just said that and you weren't even eloquent about it uh, you know you didn't pre-plan this story that you just told us but i can envision already just as that little short story i can already envision what you just i know i know your business plan already it's right so powerful um all right matt so we got to wrap up i got um, one more question I want to ask you before we do, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? My three pillars of wealth creation. Yes, sir. I would say, um, knowledge and knowledge and education would be number one. You don't know what you don't know. So you got to educate yourself and, and find what you're going to do in your life. And then from there, I would say is earn more and spend less so we can increase the savings gap. So first we get knowledge, then we earn more and spend more so we can have the capital. And then step three would be go get experience, get your first uh, building, apartment, whatever it is that you want to buy, business. And then I might even throw a fourth one on there that would just be scale from there. So whatever way you choose to scale, whether it's raising money, whether it's finding partners, whether it's using new capital, refinancing and pulling out, um, buy more assets that have value baked into them. So, uh, yeah, educate, save capital, buy something, experience, invest, um, and then scale. Love it. Matt, I'm, I'm, you know, you're 26 years old. I'm really excited to see kind of 
where life takes you. I know you're going to be doing big things and I know you're going to be making big impact and uh, excited to follow your journey, not only where you travel um, in the world, but also kind of how the business grows and evolves and what you're able to do. You've done a lot of big things already and you're only just getting started. So it's exciting to, uh, to see the journey and be a part of it. How can our listeners uh, get in touch with you to learn more about what you got going on and be a part of the journey as well? Yeah, I, the two best places you could reach out to me are Facebook and Instagram at Matt Amabile, M-A-T-T-A-M-A-B-I-L-E. And then uh, I also have a, a podcast of my own, which I think when we recorded, we I don't know if we've recorded twice or one time, but the recording got messed up on each of them. So we need to get this re-recorded. But my podcast is called the Financial Freedom Fast Podcast. And uh, Todd, we need to get that rescheduled so we can yeah. get that one going. Send, send me <laughs> send me your calendar link. We'll get it rebooked. But Matt, Will do. Really, really do appreciate you coming on. A lot, a lot of good value. I've I definitely appreciate the stories and the time you've been able to spend with us. I appreciate you having me on, Todd. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, brother. You have a fantastic rest of the day, man. Thanks. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.